I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's tremendous episode, I got to have my friend, Mr. Bedros Koulian, on the show. Bedros is a bad mofo in the fitness industry. He is the founder of Fit Body Bootcamp, which there is a location just a few blocks down from my home here in Santa Monica. Um, he just came out with a book called Man Up. Uh, it's how to cut the bullshit, kick ass in business and in life. Highly recommend checking that thing out. And uh, also hosts the the Empire podcast and uh, just a, a rad guy. He's got a tremendous story of escaping communist Russia. He's from Armenia, I believe. Um, and it was 1980 when he, I'm pretty sure, I hope these facts are right, um, that he and his family came out here. He was six years old. I'm getting pretty specific on these details. Hopefully they're correct. And uh, we get into some of that story of how he has created so much out of so little gasoline poured in his hair to get lice out craziness really good conversation we get into some pretty vulnerable parts of uh, i think both of ourselves but the emphasis was geared towards him hopefully was getting into anxiety and how to relieve that and uh just a lot of stuff here's a little clip 90 10 rule Mm. 90% of the time, let them do the talking. 10% of the time, you ask the questions. Yeah. And I always start the questions with, who are you? What do you do? Just like we, when we just met here, right? We just did it. Yeah. We who just are you? What do you That's do? Who like, do you know? Film this. Yeah. We're doing rapport right now. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. If you are drawn to that thing, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com, you will find the show notes to this and the rest of the episodes, and you will get yourself the five-day movement challenge if you choose to start that, that little journey uh, and learn how to integrate the best practices of how to move functionally 100% of the time. Every moment is an opportunity to make your body work better. We don't need to martyr ourselves for the sake of work or travel. If we have some understanding of uh, how to move on a momentary basis, and that's what you get with that little challenge. Um, I have a quote. This quote, or this is a paraphrase quote. This is out of the book um, Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, another one that I recommend highly. And one of the things she gets into there is reinvesting into the wealth that you already have. I think so often in this world, we, uh, speaking for myself here really, uh, end up just reaching out for the things that we don't have yet, and sometimes in doing that, we forget about the value that we already have, specifically relationships. I think it's really easy, I live in Los Angeles, where it is stupid easy to always feel like you need to be at the best party or be with the best people or blah, 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 and it is a, a broken ass hedonic treadmill mill. Um, it's not cool. Reinvesting back into the people that really care about you and uh, instead of always thinking that you need to go out and get something bigger, faster, whatever, more expensive, sometimes it's uh, worthy practice just to make what you have really, really great. And then at some point, 
It's okay to move on. Um, that was an excessively long description of that quote. Thank you so much for leaving reviews on iTunes. If you guys do, we will send you out a box of something from Organifi. I have a absolutely stellar uh, review from Karina Forsyth. Five stars. She says absolutely stellar. One of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. She gets she gets buck wild on this one. Cosmic intellectual orgasm. If you aren't brought out of the 3D reality and into a fifth dimensional thinking after one of these, I don't know what to tell you. This is what the world needs. This is evolutionary. Fantastic. Smiley face. Thanks so much. Uh, hit us up at Align Podcast on the Instagram, and we will send you out some stuff from Organifi. If you do buy any supplements, protein, or any kind of superfood stuff from them, use the Align code and you get 20% off. Ba-bam. Um, I think we might be good. There's probably things that I'm forgetting, I'm sure. But let's just get into this conversation with Mr. Bedros Kulian. Podcast. We're here in where the heck are we? We're, We're in beautiful Hills. Chino Hills, California. Yeah, this is Dairy Town. Uh, Snoop Dogg was in jail at the Chino State Prison, about half a mile from here. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, he sings about it in one of his songs. Beautiful. Outside of that, we have a lot of ball players and special agents from all three letters of the uh, FBI, CIA, DEA who live out here and cops. Yeah. You have like a crazy freakish <laughs> story of how the heck you arrived into this place. I do. You had gasoline in your hair. I well, I didn't arrive with gasoline, <laughs> but I did get gasoline in my hair as a kid. Yeah. What's so? What, can yeah, you yeah. tell what the heck that was? Yeah. So you just like randomly threw that out. Like I need to know well, it's what, a good what hook, that's right? about. It's, it's a good hook. It's a good hook. Yeah. So so check this out. We uh, we escaped the Soviet Union in 1980. I was uh, I was six years old. I was six years old. And when some people are like, well, were you scared? When you're six, six years old, you got your mom and dad, you really don't care about anything else, right? And so all I knew is we're going on a vacation or something, because I knew I'd heard we're going to Italy. But we escaped. My dad bribed the communist government to let us escape into, the, uh, into Italy. From Italy, we went into the American consul. From there, we said, hey, we are uh, political refugees. We hate communism. And we want to go to the United States. And we legally entered the United States in 1980. I was six years old. Mm. That part's important, because... Literally three months later, we're living in some slummy apartment in in uh, Cypress, California, and the apartment complex is so dirty, so filthy that I started ah, I got scabs in my head, right? And then we're, we don't speak English, we don't understand the culture, we're broke, we don't have any money. Um, my dad literally has a uh, a paper route. He pumps gas and he works at a pizzeria. My older and brother both have two, three jobs. Me and my mom stay at home um, and make do. And so my mom figures out that I've got lice. Hmm because the apartments are so dirty. Well, we couldn't afford lice treatment, and so my, my mom made my dad siphon out gasoline from a local car and used a cup of gas. She had me double over uh, on, you know, into the little quad section of the apartment, had me double over, and she washed my hair with gasoline because we couldn't afford lice treatment to deal with the lice that I had. Does that work? Welcome to America. It did work, apparently. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I got beautiful flowy hair now. Here you are today, <laughs> lice free. How beautiful. Yeah. And so you, one of the things that you talk about that I think is really Relevant is that you call it the the immigrant edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of having that like grit about you. Yeah, is that something that you? And I don't think it's exclusive to immigrants. I think it's exclusive to anyone that comes from Pennsylvania who probably comes (laughs) from Amish country. Yeah, right. Amish country, or like let's say steel workers, (laughs) people who have like you know really struggled. Yeah, who have struggled growing up. I found have what I call the I call it the immigrant edge because I'm an immigrant. When you've suffered, you've eaten out of garbage cans, you've. 
you know, government cheese, government bread, food stamps. You had to make the decision between do we have lights or uh, electricity or do we have running water. My dad had to make those decisions a lot as I was growing up. Yeah. And so that kind of gives you this advantage that any when you grow up and you start a business or you start a family and you have some hardships, you go, wait a minute. This isn't as bad as that. You always have something to compare against to, yeah. right? And you go, this, this isn't so bad. And so it's almost like this adversity has become an advantage in my life because we moved around so many times. I went to so many elementary schools, junior highs, high schools, that I know how to build rapport with a quickness because I didn't know how long you and I are going to be friends before we get kicked out of an apartment and have to move across town, yeah, new huge. school. So uh, it's an advantage for me. People are like, oh, that's sad. You don't have any school friends that you grew up with. I go, no, but I've got this ability now to build friends with anyone. So I'm like yeah. rich with friends now because I don't know how long we're going to be friends. I still kind of operate in that way, right? Yeah. And that's an immigrant edge. Um, to me, no matter how bad the economy is, let the economy crash. Like I started my, my fitness franchise in 2009, right after the economic crash. Everybody else was contracting. I was like, hey, the economy is still great. My hair's not being washed with gasoline. I'm not eating out of the dumpster. The economy's fine. Yeah. I just need to fi figure out how I'm gonna get this franchise in the hands of people who want it, right? So again, that's the immigrant edge mentality to take this adversity and go, it's still an advantage. It's really a reframe, a mental reframe. Mm. And I think more people should experience adversity or put themselves in positions to experience it. One of the easiest things I do is I just take my, my whole family to Tijuana I'm like, hey guys, let's experience how this is. Yeah. Let's experience how this is. And because the life we live now is quite different than the life I had when we came to the States. Yeah. So that's something that I personally take for granted. And sometimes I'll witness it and be like, oh yeah, rapport is, is huge. I'm always talking about it. You know, but I think I take it for granted sometimes when you see someone that really has issues making connection with somebody else, yeah. you're like, Oh, I see it. It's a real, it's a real yeah, thing. It is. You know, is there any kind of like tools or practices or awarenesses or anything that you have in the sense of creating rapport with somebody? 90-10 rule. 90% mm. of the time, let them do the talking. 10% of the time, you ask the questions. Yeah. And I always start the questions with, who are you? What do you do? Just like we, when we just met here, right? We just did it. Yeah. We who just are you? What do you That's do? Who do like, you know? Film this. Yeah. We're doing rapport right now. <laughs> right? Right? This is like the real thing. Yeah. Yeah, but really, it is. Like, most people just want to vomit at the mouth because yeah. they figure, like, you need to know my story. Bro, you don't care about me until you realize how much I care about you. And mm. so my job is just to ask questions. And you have to truly care. You don't just go, here's the three questions I'm going to ask. Who are you? What do you do? How do we know each other? Because that was the next question I asked, right? Like, who connected us? How do we know yeah, each other? Oh, we yeah. know Jason Frugio. We know this guy. We know Craig Ballantyne. Well, that's fantastic, but I actually have to give a shit. I have yeah. to care. And if I ask with compassion, you see that I understand and care, you're going to start actually asking me questions, and the rapport starts getting built. Yeah. But most of the time, it's the other 90-10. We want to just vomit at the mouth and tell you, let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you what I do. Let me tell you where I came from. Let me tell you the hardships I had. And you're like... Uh, I got a story. I got a life. Yeah, I want to connect. You actually gain power by listening to someone. I've noticed this as well. This is all things that I'm starting to, I think, steadily, maybe with the podcast, becoming a little bit better of a communicator. Sure. I still have, I'm nascent, you know, but I'm like, oh, okay, I'll see some things. But yeah. sometimes I'll, I'll meet people and they'll just be just vomiting on me about all the stuff that they do and this and that. And I can kind of see their, their face looking away, like in disbelief and certain things that they say. And you're kind of like, oh, you don't believe what you're saying. Mm. You know, and you're kind of, you're saying a lot, but you're not really actually saying anything. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny about that? Well, I've caught that too. And um, so 
my wife and I are, we're, she's on her eighth time going through psychocybernetics. I'm on my fourth. I'm a little slower reader. Um, I don't know what that is. Psychocybernetics, great book called by Maxwell Maltz. He was a, check this out, he was a cosmetic surgeon in the 40s, 40s and 50s. He started in the 40s, went to the 50s. Uh, cosmetic surgeon. And attorneys would come to him. No, at the time, it wasn't even a cosmetic surgeon, he was a plastic surgeon. Plastic surgeon. And the only time people would come to him is when a burn victim, a car accident, right? Like, hey, piece my face back together, make me look somewhat what I used to look like. Yeah. But he found very quickly that attorneys would come to him, um, beautiful models would come to him, and, and you know, the attorney would say, well, I, I need you to help pin my ears back just so. And if you can pin my ears back just so, and he would ask why, unlike all the other plastic surgeons, he would ask why, why, why do you want that? Well, you know, I, I'm in court a lot, and, and I know that if I just had my peer, ears peer, pinned back just so, I would communicate better, I'd feel more confident about myself, and I would win more cases. And he realized very quickly that there's a self-image issue that everybody suffers from. Right. And so we all talk very quickly and want to vomit out our story and try and hope that we can throw enough stuff at you so that you can hook onto it and go, okay, there's a commonality there. But we talk quickly because most of the time we grew up with our parents not wanting to listen. So it's like, get out with it, son. What do you want to say? We go, blah, 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 and we throw up at them. And we grow up, we still have that self-image of what others think, or we think what we know what others think of us, which is, they're probably not interested in me. There's nothing spectacular about me. And I'm gonna do what my dad wanted me to do, which is just get out with it already or else. And so people still speak that way and then turn their face away, retract, simply because they're reacting to how their dad treated them and never did the work on the self-image. Mm. Great book, Psycho-Cybernetics, yeah. Yeah, you check that out. I was just reading this thing, Aldous Huxley, who you're familiar with him at all, wrote a book oh. called The Island, pretty, pretty rad guy. Um, show notes, Aldous Huxley. Um, and one of the things he mentioned in there was certain music he referenced, like, like uh, Mozart and Beethoven, and a big thing is the spaciousness in the music, right? So that capacity to have a pause with someone, all of a sudden it creates this space of like maybe engagement or allure sure. or whatever it may be. You know, they compared it to some other musicians where it's like, no, 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 no. You know, it's yeah, like, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's cacophonous. It's hard to grab onto anything because there was never that, that confidence to create space. It's like, I don't need to fill every second. Sure. Sure. You know, is that like a practice of some sort? Or is that something that you just have? I think confidence is a huge one. I think it. confidence, it comes from confidence. I think the less confidence we are, the more, we, it's just like the bully thing, right? The bullies who are most aggressive, violent, are the ones who lack confidence and therefore roar, roar, and roar mm -hmm. louder. Um, it's usually the silent ones that are the most deadly, right? And so it goes back to confidence, self-image, self-esteem. I think there's a big trifecta there because we all come damaged. Another great book, speaking of show notes for yourself, another great book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Ah, oh, love that one. Okay. Yeah, it's an important one. Yeah, and the author talks about how what, one in three people have had some kind of uh, physical or emotional abuse and one in four have uh, had four. some kind of sexual abuse. Like, holy smokes. Yeah. That is, so I look at it this way. We're all walking around, even though let's say we're friends, we develop a friendship, and one day you text me, and I'm like, hey, bro, sorry, I can't make it. Something came up, and you're like, heard about it. Not that you would be. You're obviously evolved. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Look at how you cross I, your legs. I Clearly, you're right. evolved. I received that. I sit like a Neanderthal. <laughs> yeah, my knuckle should be dragging right now. 
<laughs> oh, it's good. It's just different styles. Going, we can talk about the Sith, though. Yeah, so that'll can, be another, that'll yeah, be another yeah, podcast. You, yeah. be a whole You're going to talk me to so many illnesses by the time you leave here. I'm going to go right to the, right to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, good. But anyway, so, so really, the way I look at it, I envision this, that we're a whole bunch of people. We have friends. We have family. We have colleagues. But we've never dealt with that crap. Yeah. Right? The the abuse, whether it's sexual, physical, mental, emotional, the trauma. Let's just call it trauma, the umbrella. And so we're walking around with all these cuts and sores on our bodies. And I mean to hug you because you're a friend, but when I do, it hurts. And I go, what the hell, bro? You just hurt me. Hmm. And I come out fists up. And I think when most people react to a text message like that or overreact to things or misread things, it really is because you haven't healed. And if you haven't healed, you're lacking confidence. Hmm. Now you're saying my loved ones are hurting me, the spouse, my kids, my friends, my partner, business partners, and are they really, or you just haven't healed and you haven't done the work, and maybe it's about time you do the work, because statistically speaking, most of us are hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's like the, the filter that you perceive the world from. The, the first step, I think, is, Joe Campbell, I mentioned this a lot and on, on here, is it calls it detribalization, which is you go outside of your tribe and you realize for the first time that you actually are raised from a tribe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so everything that you thought was normal right. is not normal at all. Mm -mm. It's just within that dogma that you were, that you were indoctrinated into. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's the same thing with, like, the trauma that you may or may not carry with you throughout the day, to you it's just normal. You know, but the process of, of being able to witness yourself and realize like, wow, I have this whole big, you know, deck of filters that I perceive the world from. Yeah. You know, is that something that you've, have you like come into awareness of, the, of filters in yourself? Every single day I still do. Mm. So in 2000 and <clears throat> 13, 2013, I had an anxiety attack so Big. In fact, so I got the drumsticks there. It's, I know it's off camera. I got the drumsticks there, and I have a drum set at home, but it's in my guest house. Um, and so I go across my pool deck with shoes on, but I play the drums <clears throat> very much like you are right now, barefoot. And so I take my shoes off, and apparently when I left the guest house, I didn't bring my shoes with me. So the next day is a Monday. I go upstairs looking for my shoes. I bend over to pick them up. My arms are tingling. My throat's shutting down. Like mm. I'm choking. My heart's racing, I'm getting sweaty, tunnel vision. I'm like, oh shit, I'm having a heart attack, dude. Right? I'm like, I'm yeah. 38 years old having a heart attack. This can't be happening right now. And very quickly, I'm like, well, what do I do? I need to stumble down the staircase, get to the house so that my wife can call 911. As I go outside, I don't know if it's the fresh air or just the movement, all the symptoms go away, just yep. kind of fade away. I'm just left a sweaty mess. I'm like, you know what? I'm all right. I cheated death, off to work I went. Turns out it was an anxiety attack. The next day I went to the doctor, my wife made me go, and it was an anxiety attack. My first one of many that I was gonna have. Yeah. Xanax didn't work because I was not creative for, for my work. And so I said, you know what, there's gotta be a psychologist or a therapist or someone I can go to. Found a therapist, went to him after 16 months of work. The first four weeks, we worked through my anxiety attacks. Fixed, gone, done, I knew how to deal with it. Right? What did that look like? Hey, I'll tell you what it looks like. Yeah. All anxiety is, is anticipation of future pain. When someone is having an anxiety attack, they're really anticipating some future pain. Likely manufactured, but still anticipating that future pain. In other words, great, the best example my therapist Kevin gave me was, before you go on stage to talk for the first time, you're picturing you're gonna freeze up, lock up, people are gonna start smirking, laughing at you, looking away. That's anticipation of future pain. Then you start having an anxiety attack before you even get up on stage, not realizing that people might go, hey, you go, what do most people do? 
hey, you got this, you're doing fine, just relax, they start clapping for you. That happened to me the first time. And it just washes over you and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm loved. I'm yeah, loved by humanity. Loved. People love me. But again, we come with our damages, so we go, I'm gonna be ridiculed. And so, as I'm working with Kevin, I, and, and the thing he taught me was one, it's anticipation of future pain, and he goes, here's four letters that I want you to just remember. HALT, the word HALT, H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you're gonna, you're gonna have an anxiety attack. The alcoholic is gonna go hit the bottle. The drug addict is gonna go, go find drugs. The sex fiend is gonna go, go find a prostitute. And that's just what we do when we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are emotional triggers that take us back to our vice. Right? It's like, all right, so I just need to manage those four things easy enough, hmm. easy enough. And over time I did, and it's about self-care. But man, talk about an evolution. The next, like I said, four weeks of working on that, the next 15 months were spent on dealing what happened to me as a kid, right? Becoming more self-aware. And I was, I was uh, sexually abused as a kid in Armenia. And when Kevin first brought it up, I don't even know how he saw it. He goes, so what happened to you as a kid? Wanna talk about that? I was like, ah, I don't wanna talk about that. The thing that happened to that little boy is fine, Kevin. Oh. And he goes, that happened to who? I go, the thing that happened to that little boy is fine, I'm good. Kevin, let's talk about something else. He goes, do you realize you're... You put him over there. You put him over there, he goes, that's called disassociation. I'd never even heard that word. Yeah. I go, what's that? He goes, that's actually the first step into creating a multiple personalities. Wait a minute. Yeah. I just put this little boy in a box and put him away, right? Today I can say that happened to me. So first time ever, after 15 months of working with him, after that point, I was able to deflate that ball that I was holding underwater, and then when it would pop up, because you can only hold it for so long, is when you rage out on someone, get angry at someone, lash out, right? And now I just look at it, it's just a blip on my radar. We took the air out of that, because in the air inside that balloon for me, that ball that I was holding underwater was rage, confusion, and shame. Mm -hmm. I dealt with it. But we forget to, and when I, when you deal with that, that's almost like that little arm that lets the car go through. Now that allows me to explore other parts of my life. But I'm, I was stunted until then, and I, and I protected myself by building muscle, yep. by kill, uh, creating seven different companies, all on recurring income. And this, I was so proud, I'm like, Kevin, I got seven companies, all on recurring income, all seven or eight figure businesses, and I'm gonna create 10 more. And he's just like, Oh man, he's protecting him, like yeah, insulating himself. It's right? worse than I thought. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so I was so unaware of who I was, unevolved, and I needed that journey. It was painful. Many times I walked away with foggy-headed, feeling like I was walking through molasses. I tell my wife, I just feel like I'm walking through molasses and I'm foggy-headed. But the outcome was amazing. Mm. I think more people should take that journey, whatever that journey looks like to them. But it's painful. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, the halt. I really like that. And then it's it's kind of ironic that oftentimes being in the depths of the halt also is where most of the epiphanies and like the truth and kind of that, that communication with a deeper part of yourself. Yeah. So as long as you stay within the bumpers and within yeah. the insulation, then it's great. You probably won't have an anxiety attack, right? But it's kind of like anti-fragile kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like we need to have little skirmishes mm -hmm. in order to, to actually evolve and not have a big nuclear explosion. Exactly. You know, so actually, I think that sometimes we have, as you're saying, I'm like, yes. And then I think there's also something to embracing the halt. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, is that something that, that's, that you've, have you learned from your halt experiences as well? Is that something you can kind of? I have, and it's exactly what you said. And the, the example I can give you is, you know what? I might take 
three or four Advil if I have a headache. Yeah. Now, if I take a whole bottle, I'm likely going to have some kind of an ulcer or some kind of an issue. And it's no different than we, when you go to the gym and work out. If I'm constantly breaking down my muscles and never giving enough time and food to reheal, I'm likely going to end up with liver damage or kidney damage in the hospital, right? But if I actually tear down my muscles in the gym when I work out and then feed it, rest it, nurture myself, it's going to grow. So we do need to push ourselves into the adversity, into the pain, into the darkness. Yeah. It's when we go off the deep end. And I would constantly, all of the type A personalities go off the deep end because we are all in on everything. You know, people listening to podcasts while driving and brushing their teeth, you're probably type A because if you weren't, you would just do one thing at a time and odds are it would be something that wouldn't be, you know, growing your mental space. It would be something more trivial, like just wasting time, whatever, playing video games mindlessly. Right. Um, the concept of wasting time I find really interesting. You know, someone that has a, a large void to fill, like like um, I think myself, and it seems like you're, you know, certainly alluding yeah. to, to yourself. Uh, sometimes that feeling of I always need to be, you know, optimizing or making it the most efficient or making it a little, you know, and it's like it's all a do-based mentality, you know, and, and culturally, again, we kind of we kind of almost like frown on on people that are more in like the B type space. Yeah. They're, they're dirty, stupid. Mindless hippies. I wouldn't say they're dirty, stupid, mindless hippies. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Money you're pretty close between the two. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes yeah. they are kind of mindless yeah. hippies. Like it's not if you're too much B, uh, a little dude. Yeah, and if you're too much A, listen, you're gonna have a heart attack and die, and you're gonna leave your kids orphaned. Yeah. I mean that's just the reality. It's, right, it's, right, right. It goes back to the. Am I gonna take the bottle of Advil or yeah. just three pills? Yeah. Right. It goes back to that. Am I gonna explore the darkness or am I gonna go off the deep end? Yeah. Right. And and look for a rope to hang myself. And that's unfortunate. What happened to Robin Williams? Right. He was Very constantly true. exploring, and that's where his best humor came out of. Like I'm a big fan. I've watched documentaries. I've read all about him. His best humor came from the darkness. Yep. But when he was left alone and just kept looking over the edge, let me just get a little closer. Ah, oh, there I went. What's your alone time like? My when you don't have any kind of work or any type of success to kind of anchor yourself off of. I love driving. I love <laughs> driving. I love surfing. So the things that really require, I love going, there's an outdoor shooting range out here. I go outdoor sh uh, shooting, you know, and my alone times are spent doing that. Uh, rarely do I read books. I, I listen to audiobooks. Yeah. Um, but man, I just love to drive. To, for example, uh, Craig Ballantyne and I, we spoke at Joe Polish's event last week. We both had flights to fly back to Southern California. I'm like, hey, dude, let's just skip our flights and rent a car and drive back to the desert. You know, I go, I want to listen to an audiobook. Uh, and it wasn't even like a make money or marketing audiobook. It was literally just a fun book yeah. about, oh, it was, I know what it was. It was the operator, the Navy SEAL that, that killed Osama bin Laden mm. and how Navy SEALs think and operate and how I love those their mindset stories. is way different. Yeah, right. It's so just, different than my life. But for some reason, when I watch those movies, I'm like, I'm like all <laughs> right. in the whole time. And that's probably why it's so different than my <laughs> life. So different. Yeah. And so Craig fell asleep, you know, and I, I was just driving through the desert and like five hours. I love that kind of alone time. I love complete seclusion. Like I go to the ocean to Dana Point and I surf during the week when no one else is in there. It's just me and maybe an an old man who who's obviously retired and we'll talk a little bit then he'll be 100 yards away and I'm over here and I'm in my own thoughts and I love being in my own thoughts it's mm. it's it's almost like I can feel myself vibrating with rejuvenation it's the only word that comes to mind it's like being refilled because every day I'm being taken away 
people are always feeding off of me. I look at it that way, like, hey coach, can you help me up on my business? Can you coach me up on my mindset? Yeah. Well, where do I plug in? Where do I plug in? Yeah. Coaches are great, I've got coaches, but I also need rest time, and I value that rest time. I protect that time. You've come to a point where you have so much access to create, you know, and you have so much access to give back, and to like it's the model that you have is like any time that you want to put your energy into that, you can really, you know, help yeah. and support and create change. For a lot of people, I think that the struggle is maybe the feeling like the alone time might be, and I wonder if you if you t still. You know, have this experience, but the alone time is like I'm not doing enough. I used to feel that way. Yeah. Oh man, my wife and I would argue. A ten day vacation by three, by day three, I made it hell for her. Hmm. Hell. Uh, last year we went to Scotland, Ireland, London for ten days, and I, I was just a bump on a log. Do you have ale? Do you have ale? I just go to different pubs. I just wanted to drink ale and have a good time. Um, but again, it's that evolution of getting doing the work because I felt unworthy of. Anything unless I was producing, yeah. producing an outcome, producing money, producing product, producing uh, great coaching clients. Because my esteem, my value, my worth came from outside. Mm. Today it's internal. And so while I can eat, I have more access to do more, I'm like, nah, because actually tomorrow night we're leaving for New York City and then from there going to Dallas. Uh, we're spending Thanksgiving on the road. I can't wait to just be a bump on the log, two workouts a day, I'm gonna eat pizza at DeFaro's in Brooklyn. I, I, I'm just, I'm gonna schlep around. I have no reason, desire to produce anything and I'm not gonna feel bad about it. Yeah. That used to not be me. Wanted to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Organifi, for supporting the show. Organifi is a rad company. I utilize their superfood blends on a daily basis. Um, holding in my hands the green juice right now, filled with all the green powders your little heart could desire, from uh, wheatgrass to spirulina to chlorella to matcha. Really excellent stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. They also do protein blends that are vegan, as far as I can see. So the protein they're using in here is pea protein, quinoa protein, and pumpkin seed protein. Everything's organic, everything's delicious. Highly recommend checking them out. So go Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and utilize the Align code for 20% off. Organifi.com, Align code, A-L-I-G-N, 20% off. Get that stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in back to the show. Pow. How do you bridge that gap and bring bring the uh, disassociated self back on board. You do the work, man. I don't know if I can answer that here. Yeah, like, no, I know that's I wish I could bring an Kevin here to answer that, but yeah. I mean, you do, at least, <laughs> Kevin. maybe I'm a slow person. I don't even know, like, in the world of, <laughs> could someone have gone through that faster? It took me 15 months. So first month was working on my anxiety, the reason I went to see him. The next 15 months was working through my childhood issues, right? And then him telling me that you don't need a rage. Uh, here's how we're gonna take the confusion away and the shame away of all that. And, and, and the shame was like, why did this happen to me? People shouldn't know this. You know, if they do, then I'm a lesser human. Right. Uh, the confusion was, did I do something to make those two older boys do that to me? Like, mm. Am I gay? Yeah. Am right. I gay? Right? I mean, you start, the craziest things start happening, you start thinking. And then the rage was, how the fuck can anyone do this to me? I'll kill them. All right, now, with that, go in that cycle of trifecta and try and get married, have kids, start a business, work on your fitness. How's that gonna look? Yeah. How's that gonna look? It's not gonna work well. And so, how do you go from the disassociated self to a whole self? You do the work. What does the work look like? I don't know. What does it look like to everyone who's 
it's different for everyone. Is there any physical practices that you found to be beneficial? Because I think that that's something that I see with a lot of people working with clients is they're literally starting to almost feel numb, right? I say quite a bit, like, oh, you're, you're disassociated from the back of your shoulder girdle or your back or your glutes or yeah. you're just not, there's no electricity there. Yeah. You're all right here in this little like cell phone world where it may be. Yeah. You know, so the, pro the, the process of starting to re-inhabit yourself, I think one of the ways is through a physical you know, I think there's probably a lot of different ways, but was there any kind of physical work that... There was no specific physical work we did. In hindsight, as you're telling me this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I realize what's happening. I actually gave myself permission to go and get a massage every week. Hmm. This is going to sound crazy, but I didn't want people to touch me. Uh, but I, I, I didn't connect it to that. Aaron, I didn't connect good. it to that. You just made a big connection here. Good. I didn't connect it to that. I was just like, I'm too busy. I don't need it. I'm fine. I foam roll, bro. What do I need you for, yeah, right? You're foam rolling yourself. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Now I just give belly hugs. I make sure my belly button connects to your belly button. <laughs> and I, Craig, I hope Craig doesn't. Well, if he sees this, he needs to hear this anyway. <laughs> I, I, I yelled at him for it. I was like, hey, no more sideways hugs. I want heart to heart, belly button to belly button. Yeah. You know, that's a hug. That's a hug. And so, but I'm able to do that now because I've done the work. I'm able to go to a massage therapist every week because I've done the work. And it feels good. I can accept that. I'm okay with it. Hmm. Um, so that's really the physical work. Um, my workouts, morning workouts, or my ritual, I have to do that, otherwise I'm unbalanced, I'm not a good human being in any way, I'm unproductive to my team, I'm unproductive to my clients, uh, so that's a big part, that's my anchor, as uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson calls it, that's, that's, his, that's his anchor. Um, those are the extent of my big physical works that keep me grounded, but it feels so good to have someone manipulate your body in a way that a foam roller could never do, or a yeah. Could never do. Yeah. Right. What do your days look like? Is there, is there any kind of like morning traditions that you have, like things that are really crucially important to keep you in yeah. a good place? Yeah. I do realize that I'm like a German Shepherd dog. Let me just start off by saying that. And a German Shepherd dog specifically must be doing something that makes them feel like they're contributing to the farm that they're on. An example is they need a shepherd. They need to know at this time every day we're taking the little sheep out and my job is to run around and bark and keep them in a little corral for two hours and bring them back to their, their pen. Um, I've got a dog that's part German Shepherd, part Mastiff. She knows every morning, her name is Cookie, that we need to throw the ball 10 times and she loves that. She looks forward to it. Once she does that, then you can just see her <sighs> relax and look out the window at the squirrels and growl at them because she's in here and they're out there. Uh, I'm very much like the German Shepherd dog. <laughs> I need a routine. We're going to New York. I already know what my routine is going to be because we've been to New York enough. In fact, we've been to Maui on vacation once and I liked it so much that we just keep going back every year because I have a routine there. I'm a routine-oriented guy. If not, I will go find the darkness. I will search for the darkness. I will find trouble and I will go ass into it. What's the darkness look like? It's beyond self-sabotage. It's self-punish. It's punishment. Mm. I'm not a proud of it. I don't go looking for it now. Uh, but man, I used to before, I used to, and, I, and I realized where it came from, and it's, the mountain's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, and so my days today look like I need a morning routine. I wake up, I go through my gratitude list, I don't do meditation, I've tried, it didn't work for me, I've got the attention span of a hummingbird. I go through my gratitude list, I text three people that I'm grateful for, I verbally express how grateful I am for whatever, the, the state of California, the city of Chino Hills, uh, the fact that I've got a pool, the fact that we've got two olive trees and they got tiny little olives on them, whatever it is. Um, 
three so three people I text a gratitude text which is really the most selfish thing I do because they're like oh, oh man you're so great that it is so I get three people every morning right. tell me how awesome I am right given outside yeah. of my wife and kids right? right so that's really six people every morning tell me how awesome I am and I love that who doesn't uh, three things I'm grateful for and then of course the three things I'm gonna do today mm. like just a mental list of what are the three things I'm gonna go dominate it's not a list of five or fifteen because when I used to do that then I do 14 of the 15 and now I'm a loser because I didn't satisfied, yeah. Yeah. Three things, if, if I can do three things five days a week, bro, I've moved the needle so much in my life, after a year, I'm good. Yeah. It's just three big things that I need to do. What's the, what was the self-punishment specifically look like? Unless it's like unmentionable. No, 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 no bro, I'm, I'm an open book. Like, um, <laughs> like hanging yourself by hooks in your right, living room, right. which that would be cool. That's I got thing. massive scars on my back. That, no, um, <laughs> we should certainly talk about that. Yeah, Re recently, <laughs> all right, so when I was younger, in my 20s, it was uh, going out and finding a lot of women. Now, on right. the surface, it doesn't look like self-punishment, but People afterwards. you. Right. Well done. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. Yeah, keep it up, man. You're, yeah, you're, you're awesome. a stud. Yeah. Right. Right. But I felt empty afterwards. Right. Just uh, disgusted because I knew what I was going in there for. And to me, it was a game and it was a game of conquering. Yep. Because I got conquered as a kid. So now I can connect the dots. Right. And so now I needed control. I needed to conquer. And uh, so when I was younger, it was that in my 30s, it was food. I would literally stand in my kitchen in front of the fridge and consume four, five, six thousand calories. I'm talking a bag of pretzels, Schneider's pretzels, with the whipped cream cheese. And when the whipped cream cheese was empty and there's still, still pretzels left, I'd get out butter and I'd hold it in my hand, the square butter, right, the cube. And I'd hold it in my hand, warm it up, and I'd unwrap it and I'd um, chow down, and then I'd go to sleep, right? I consume four, five, six thousand calories at night and then wake up disgusted and sick. Yeah, sick night's the worst time. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm such an imposter. I'm a fitness professional. How's this happening? Well, again, I just went from one punishment to the next because, hey, now I'm married. I can't, I'm not going to go out and find women. But let me go find, see, but it's not a conscious thought. Like, I still need a tool to punish myself, so I'm going to replace this with that. Yeah. The human body just does it, and you go, oh, it's, I was stressed, and that's why. Or, nah, man, I, just, I got nothing else to do on a Friday night, so there's bars, and there's girls, and that's what I'm doing. I'm in my 20s. What? That's, that's what every guy does. But how do you feel afterwards? Yeah. That's a question to ask. How do you feel afterwards? If you're like, man, I feel great. I can do it again. I feel energized. I feel like this is good. Cool, man. Have at it. Fill your boots. Yeah. But if you feel depressed, if you feel dirty, if you feel, in my case, like an imposter, bro, you got to explore. Yeah. And that's what I finally decided to do. Thank God for those anxiety attacks, honestly. Like, Huge. They, they were a gift to me. Totally. They were a gift. I do the overeating thing. And I think it's, a, I think it's, a, I know it's funny, you know, but so I'll, I'll, I literally do the exact same thing really? with, with butter. Hmm. So I'll mac down one of my, my, my friend, I had this big, uh, like gallon of olive oil yeah. that I like smashed in a very short amount of time. Cause I just, I just do like a lot of that stuff, yeah, yeah. but I'll do that with like nuts and like all oh, delicious sprouted organic, whatever, sure. and, you know, but they still have calorie berries yeah. and then like butter and I'll just do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And I see that as being something that I do to feel like a, you know I really want to hug you know I really want to feel loved I really want to feel connected and feel like yeah. I have network and feel like I have like yeah. but living in a place like like LA it's kind of like you know it's like the, the fire you know it's like the heart of all that that feeling of like we promote connection we promote you know network and tribe and all that you know but oftentimes you have a bunch of kind of like blind little individuals that are just 
in it for themselves with a mask of network and tribe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I do. That's <laughs> I why I'm in Chino Hills. That's why I'm exactly 48 <laughs> miles away. Yeah, look, look, look at the open space. People nod at you, they're watering their grass, you drive by, they nod at you and give you a tip of the hat. Right. That's, I'm here for, I, I have created a bubble. My wife calls it my two and a half mile bubble. My HQ, my gym, uh, Starbucks, and actually Starbucks now comes to me as you saw, but yeah. Starbucks is nearby in a two and a half, and then uh, and the sushi joint, sushi 10 that I go to, um, which I would have loved to have taken you today. But, but anyway, the, the point is all of that, my house, my office, all that is in the two and a half mile bubble, and I just wanna live in it because it gives me a sense of peace and control, and if I can get people to come to me instead of me going to them, great. Uh, when I do go to them, I always go, what is my bubble gonna be when I get there? Whether it's New York or, London or wherever because if I don't have a bubble if I don't have a routine Let's go find some trouble darkness. Whoa yeah. Sounds like a good opportunity for you to ditch all that shit see like buy a one-way ticket to a random place and see what happens or not. Well, Maybe I mean, these bad, days bad I, thing, I think I'm so like disciplined. I think you're evolved past that. So I think sometimes we can do that too, where we attach to the the feeling of like, this is who I am. This is how I respond. That's it. Right. It's like, dude, that was seven years ago. Yeah. I know I wouldn't do that anymore, but it's just I love the. It's like a security blanket. I love the security of the bubble and the routine so much. Yeah. I just look for it. I create it. But I know, like, give me a one-way ticket to anywhere and put hidden cameras on me. Like, I'll just create a routine when I get there. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know. Like today, me and my wife was like, hey, I was like, hey, look, I saw Brian Callen post on uh, Instagram that he's uh, at the Gotham City Comedy Club on Saturday. Let's add, let's add that to our routine, because we've got a routine already set up. We're going right. to eat. Have you seen the documentary Hero Dreams of Sushi? Oh, I love it. So, okay. so good. The dude who was crying when Hero finally gave him some, some validation that you made the rice correctly after 10 years, yeah. that guy moved to New York and opened up a sushi joint. Mm. That was part of our, it's part of our adventure here part that we're going to do. Yeah. That, that we're gonna part of the bubble. Part of the extended bubble, yeah. bubble. <laughs> yeah. So today I kind of tweaked the bubble. After that, we're, we're, we're going to go to the comedy club, leave the kids in the hotel and go to the comedy club. Um, but I love having it all structured and planned. But if I bought a one-way ticket to wherever, unplanned, I'm so evolved these days, thankfully, that I would just look for structure and discipline and routine. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah, there's a, I think it was like Alan Watts. I was, I was listening to some audio thing he was saying, and he said he's seen um, guys in India create a sacred space just by creating, literally like taking a stick in the ground and creating a little circle around them. Brilliant. I think that's the really beautiful thing. And that's something that I've, I've gathered upon staying in hostels and random places around the world where I'm like, this is not in alignment with what I'm creating, you yeah, know? Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like, okay, whew, oh, oh, yeah. I'm in that, what do you call it, HARP? Not HARP, what was the, the acronym for the oh, LARP? Oh, uh, LARPing? <laughs> Live action role play. What was it? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. You know, so by it being in those situations, all of a sudden, I think that's when a lot of those new ideas end up coming out. You know, and you're in this situation where it's like, oh, this isn't what I want the bubble to be. But it's like, okay, wait, I can, I can still kind of create my own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. like a real skill. Yeah. But that's funny that you would—I call it halting—that you would go into a halting state. But then you talk your way out of it. So you're at the hostel. You're like, oh my god, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't aligned with my vision. I'm yeah. halting. Whatever. I'm, I'm freaking out. And then you find that safe spot. You yeah. find that sacred spot. Mm. Like that's evolution, bro. That's and going back to Maxwell Maltz, where we started. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics, he really talks about the theater of the mind, and then the theater of the mind, and they, they proved it in World War One that these guys, you know, bombs blowing up, they're in tiny little foxhole pressed together, 
dead bodies next to them, but they find the ones that found the safe spot live to see the next day. Mm. Those who didn't panic, freaked out, got up to run and got shot. Yeah, yeah and then stress is the main uh, main correlate to to um, inflammation, and then inflammation in the brain. There, you know, they are saying is the main correlate to depression. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I, I think that our capacity to be in an inherently stressful world and still find that like equipoise or balance or you know bubbleness, yeah, that's like some of the biggest healthcare you could possibly think of. Yeah, but it's not as tangible as having like here, take the pills. Right. Right. You know, so we don't really. It's it's. There's not as much monetary gain in educating people on how to create little bubbles for themselves. So we just kind of we keep on harping on the other stuff. Yeah. Well, we also want. It's two part, right? And it's. The big pharma it has made it such a lucrative industry, which is why mood-enhancing drugs that are prescribed now are the, the highest level of prescription ever. And then we as society, we want the fast fix because really, I have to like measure my halting. I have to see if I'm hungry, lonely, angry, tired. Yeah. Kevin, you can't just give me a pill, you know? No, you actually have to see. One of the things that would like trigger me to like having slight feelings of anxiety I'd have my laptop in the morning. I'd work off my couch. My dog's sitting across from me over there. My wife's taking the kids to, uh, to, to school. And I'm working. And for some reason, dude, no one tell. Like, I'm my own boss. Why am I doing this? I have no idea. I go, oh, I got 32 emails. I got to go pee. I'm not going to pee until I go like, clear out my inbox. Why? Hmm. Why? So now I'm angry because I got to go pee and I'm holding it, I'm holding it, I'm holding it. Right? There's literally anger. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Uh, soon, I started getting hungry for water because I'm not going get, to get up and get a drink of water and pee until. So I have two of the four elements, and then my wife comes back home and is like, "Hey, hon, how's it going? Fine, I'm doing fine." Right. I, I turned this way because the door is right behind me in case you're yeah, wondering. Right. right. <laughs> but but it's like, wait, what? Why are you reacting, you idiot? Oh, I was out of my inbox and I had to pee. And just how about you get up and go pee, you jackass, right? And so these are the simple tools that I had to teach myself when I learned from Kevin. It's okay to stop at, at email number three and go pee, get water, look out the window, pet cookie, and then sit down again. Yeah. But but all my worth and value came from getting that shit done. And so that had higher priority than my health. Yeah. There was a, a, a study, or you could call it a related statistic, where they were watching, I believe it was... In Europe, England, we'll have to we'll have to fact check this one, but um, they were watching judges and their uh, the rule for people whether they were given parole, parole or not, and the biggest highest indicator was whether the judge was fed or not. So if the judge was fed, all of a sudden it's like, I love everyone. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> he most. seems innocent. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but if you're but if you're you hungry, yeah. then all of a sudden like. No, this guy definitely did yeah, it. It's he a trigger. It's off. Yeah. yeah so it's just Could you imagine if your life was hanging on that balance, though? Oh, I think it already is. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe well, not so, mine or yours. Yeah, but, but, but I'm but, happy we're not but in, moments. in jail. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, in moments it is. Yeah. In moments it is. You're right. How many decisions have we made in a state of hunger that we would have otherwise made the opposite decision? Yeah. We fed? Yeah. And then, the, 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 so then the, the deeper, and we can, we'll wrap up here soon, but the, the, the kind of deeper question is, okay, cool, that's a, a very literal hunger. I want a sandwich. But then there's like, okay, what about people that live in a, in a continual state of hunger for I need validation, I need, you know, whatever yes. it may be, you know, yes. because I'm not gay, because I'm not, you know, I am good enough. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, wow, interesting. These decisions that we make out of hunger, how many freaking people in our culture are just perpetually hungry? Yeah. Anyway.
Yeah. We, we are walking around. <laughs> we are walking around hungry. We are walking around with open cuts on us, bumping into each other, and hence the word hangry, right? Yeah, we, sure. I, I mean, we joke around about, hey, he's hangry, but yeah, there's really something to that. When you're angry or when you're hungry, you are angry. When you have open cuts emotionally, when you come to hug me or when you tell me something, oh, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by that hug? What did you mean by that, mm. by that high five? It's like, I don't know, I was fucking hugging you. You're a friend. Yeah. But I'm taking it differently because of the wounds that I haven't healed. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Man. It really, really means a lot. I, I, I connect with so many different levels of your, your story. And uh, so I really appreciate it. It's, it's, it's beautiful to see someone that is, you know, from an outside perspective, you really embody the masculine thing really well. You know, but you're also digging into all this I'm other a big stuff. teddy bear. Yeah, right. It's a big deal. You know, but uh, it's yeah. like just we get we get fucking confused with all the, the you know the magazine covers of the rock. Like we very rarely see a magazine cover of someone doing something passive. Right. It's always some like. <laughs> you know, so we're yeah. like, okay, that's what I got. Yeah. So it's cool to, you know, have that. We will dig into the you other know, parts I really of it. appreciate this opportunity, man. This was, <laughs> I had no idea what to expect, <laughs> and it was such a pleasant surprise from from what I learned about my physiology uh, to pooping. what I. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very important component. I talk about pooping with almost every podcast guest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You really make it an easy conversation. No joke, man. You really do. Cool. And that's got to be something to be said about you. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. How do people learn more about you? How do people find all the... You guys got so much good stuff. Uh, social media, just PedrosCoolian.com, and I'm all over social media. Awesome. I'm that guy. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at AlignTherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.